Welcome to Maximus Men Striving for Greatness, a show about masculinity for men who are Catholic or interested in the Catholic faith. I'm your host, Chris De Silva, Life, Family and Outreach Officer for the Catholic Archdiocese of Sydney. On this episode, we're joined by men's ministry dynamo, Steve Lear, to discuss what it really means to be a man of faith and prayer. Not only will you hear Steve's powerful testimony in this episode, but you'll also hear just how much God can do with your life if you simply say yes to him on a daily basis. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome, Steve. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Chris. Good, great to be here. Awesome. So before we get into our topic today, I just want to remind everybody out there that we have a group on Facebook called Maximus Men, where we talk about um, what we do in this show, particularly a challenge that comes out of every episode that we do challenge is usually issued in consultation with a guest that we have on. So, Steve, hopefully you've got a good challenge for all of our men. I do. Talk about at the end. Great, great. Um, and so last week we had Simon Carrington on the show and he was talking a lot about sexuality and the battle to live our sexuality with purity. And he really challenged a lot of the men out there to get an accountability partner if they don't have one. Uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so agree with that too. Yeah. So that's something that we'll, we want to keep encouraging guys to do um in the weeks ahead and whenever you might hear or watch this to find yourself an accountability partner so steve before we get into the questions today to the meat of the topic i might just begin with a quick prayer if you'll join me in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen heavenly father we love you and we thank you for your presence we thank you for your love Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, that you sent him to become flesh and that he was able to live his life as a man and model for us perfectly how we can live our lives as men. Jesus, may we follow your example and be open to your grace um, and strive for greatness. And may your grace lift us up uh, to become holy and prayerful men. And we ask for St. Joseph's intercession as we have this conversation today as well. St. Joseph, pray for us. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, Fantastic. Chris. No worries at all. So, Steve, I think it would be great if you could jump straight into your story, actually. I think you've got a really powerful testimony. And, you know, you're so active in Men Alive, mentoring other men, etc. Have you always been such a dynamo in the church? And how did you get to where you are right now? Um, okay. Um, well, let me just start saying that I um, start off by saying I don't consider myself a dynamo. I like to consider myself a trainee who loves Jesus, right? So, um, look, to answer your question, no, I've um, never, not always been so active in the, um, in the church in the Sydney area. Um, up, in fact, up until seven years ago, it, um, I was a non-practicing Catholic. So I did the usual things. I sent my children to Catholic school, you know, hope that the, Teachers would educate them in the Catholic faith uh, because I wasn't interested in any of that. Um, I left it up to my wife, to um, all the sacramental programs. Um, um, and I did the usual, you know, I went to Mass at Easter and Christmas and thought that was enough. Um, that's, that was enough. All, the, all of my um, the men that I, my friendships with men, they practised exactly the same or, in fact, even less than I did. So, so I was comfortable with how I was living my life. But then in... Um, it was the uh, January of 2013. I was challenged by an assistant parish priest. And he challenged me quite directly 
about the type of life I wasn't living, um, the fact that um, I wasn't attending Mass and um, I wasn't helping my wife in trying to give my sons in particular uh, a Christian upbringing, a Catholic upbringing. As I said, I wasn't interested. Now, at the time, we agreed to disagree because, as we all know, men don't like to be told that um, they're wrong, right? That's right. And, um, so I, we agreed to disagree. But, but what happened was that put in place a chain of events which, you know, included, I like to think was or call a, an, um, a mini illumination of conscience. Um, wow. Yeah, and um, let me tell you, it was pretty harrowing um, because there was nowhere to hide. When God shows you your soul, there is nowhere to hide. I did the usual things. I tried to blame everybody else other than myself um, and tried to justify all of my actions, you know, because of my, um, my friendships, you know. And also I used the, the term, I'm a good man. I thought I was a good man. I was a good father. I was a good provider, all of those things. But the more I tried, the more I realised that indeed, I was completely wrong and I had failed in many aspects of um, my, um, my being a husband, being my father, and I'd failed completely in being, um, you know, a son of God. So, but and that was in the January of 2013. Now, I started immersing myself or trying to immerse myself in my Catholic faith, but my, one of my biggest issues was I had no other men to turn to. As I said, all my mates, my brothers, you know, I tried to talk to them about what was happening to me and they all thought I was having either a nervous breakdown or a midlife crisis. And um, so thankfully two things happened. A, um, an elderly nun took, uh, took me under her wing, albeit a very small wing, and she catechised me. She catechised me, yeah. and, which was a great blessing. She, um, you know, she, she, she explained the sacrament. She explained so much about the Catholic faith to me, which I had no understanding. I'd gone right through... You know, 10 years, I've left in year 10 of Catholic school education. And at the end of it, I had no understanding of the faith. I knew the, the historical Jesus, but I did not know Jesus as I do today. So that happened, um, which was a great blessing. But also, my wife often um, referred to me at the time like a feather in the wind because I had all this zeal, but no direction. Mm. So she saw a, a, prom a promotion for a Men Alive Parish Space Weekend. It was that holy innocence of Croydon. And she said, I think, you know, it was all about male spirituality, fellowship. She said, you need this. So I uh, registered. I think I was one of the first to register and um, I attended. And um, I'm not overstating the fact when I say that um, I would not be involved with um, men's ministry, uh, hospital ministry, or speaking to you today, Chris, if it was not for that weekend. That initiated so many aspects of my life. I met... Um, some great men there that I still call brothers to this day. But I was um, given four tools on the Sunday morning, which, um, which we call the non-negotiables that I'm now blessed to encourage men to, to live by. And those four non-negotiables, as we call them, put me on the path, that narrow path with Jesus, right, to, to journey with him. Um, and, and I'll just go through them if I can, just briefly. Yeah, please do. I was going to ask you otherwise. <laughs> oh, the, so... Um, we, as I said, we call them the four non-negotiables, and the first one is prayer and scripture every day. You know, we can't even begin to love a God that we don't know. So it's got to be prayer and scripture every day. And the great thing about the Catholic Church is every day they put out a reading. So it's there for you. Apps, you can pick up the old-fashioned way, the St. Paul's publication, which gives us the readings every day. Daily Missal. Yep. So there's no excuses. 
The second one is um, regular fellowship with other Catholic men. We have all heard the, you know, the phrase that the lone sheep will be devoured. Well, it's, it's true. So many men ring me and say, Steve, I'm having an issue. And I say, you know, it's no wonder. You're trying to do the journey by yourself. You can't. I dare say it is almost impossible for a Catholic man in 2020 to try and do the journey or the adventure with Jesus by himself. You spoke earlier about Simon Carrington keeping, you know, about finding another man to keep us accountable. Yeah. It goes exactly the same for our spiritual life. Mm-hmm. Now, the second, third one, sorry, was parish-based ministry. Get a job in your, in your parish. You know, so many good men have, um, you know, quite literally been sitting on their hands for years waiting for the man next to them or, in fact, the woman next to them mm-hmm. to do something in the, in the church, in their parish. And I still see that everywhere I go. But it's about getting, and not just being a consumer, but giving something back to your parish, taking ownership. It is so important. And lastly, but by my, no means least, is supporting your parish priest or priests in general. I learned something very quickly and very early on in my, my journey, and that was that priests can suffer with all the trials and you know, tribulations and temptations that any layman can. They can be often lonely, you know, um, and trying to, trying to um, run a parish being the shepherd by themselves, surrounded by so many people but still not have someone that they can grab a beer with, have a meal with, have a coffee with, you know. So, um, so they're the four non-negotiables. And I, we believe at Men Alive that if indeed you want to be a man of God, those four things um, are vital. So, yeah, that's uh, fantastic. Yeah. So um, that, that was, um, you know, I... I I moved on from that weekend. Um, I attended my, my first small group that, um, that was started from that parish space weekend. And I attended a few other Men Alive Week um, events, breakfasts, that sort of thing. So, um, you know, um, and it, it, gave me, it, it gave me a good grounding, a great grounding. I realised then that two things, that I, like every other man I encountered, were having the same you know, the same struggles, the same temptations. And I was able to, um, you know, to, to speak about my, my life, my family life, my work life and my spiritual life with those guys. I now had somebody, men that understood me, who didn't think I was having a, a midlife crisis, you know, or having a nervous breakdown. They understood exactly where I was coming from. So, you know, I, I couldn't, I, again, if it wasn't for that weekend, I wouldn't be here. So. And um, I've been on the, uh, the journey since. Um, I, I had the opportunity to speak briefly to um, seminarians at the Good Shepherd in February, and I refer to um, the journey as an adventure, and it really is an adventure with Jesus, absolutely. So. Yeah, fantastic. I can vouch for that. And those four non-negotiables are so good and practical as well, and I think they really set you up to be a faithful and loyal son of the church, which, which is what the church really needs at this time. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's time, you know, the church, you know, throughout the history has needed good men to stand up, you know, um, stand up and be accountable. And, and we, we, we can do little things, you know, and all of those four non-negotiables are something that every man can do. They're all achievable. So, you know, often men will say that can't, use the word can't, can't do it, can't do this, can't do that. We are often our biggest hurdle. We are our biggest hurdle, our biggest enemy. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Steve, a lot of other men, hundreds maybe, 
thousands have been on a Men Alive weekend or something similar to that. Yeah, tens um, of thousands. Yeah, fantastic. That's, yeah, that's awesome, awesome numbers. But I'm just wondering, like, I know a lot of them have experienced a transformation on that weekend. Um, they may or may not be going to their small group meetings and doing the four non-negotiables. But definitely not all of them take on the amount of leadership in ministry afterwards that you have taken on. So how have you ended up taking on so much leadership and responsibility in terms of ministry? How has the Holy Spirit led you in, in this direction? I'm, I'm glad you, you mentioned the Holy Spirit. So um, it's a good question. Um, so as I, as I mentioned um, just a few moments ago, I attended a few other men live events, breakfasts, um, you know, that sort of thing, engagements. So in the 2015, I get a call from Robert Falzon, and I know you, you know Robert, uh, the co-founder of Men Alive, which incidentally was founded in 2003 in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. And he rings me, and the conversation went something like this. Hi, Steve, it's Robert Falzon. G'day, Robert. Um, how would you like to come to Bathurst with me and another guy uh, to do a parish-based weekend? And while you're at it, you can drive us out there. Um, he said, come, listen, and learn. And I said, um, can I think about it? And I think I'd better ask my wife. He said, absolutely, take your time. So about two or three days later, I called him back. Um, now, interestingly, I didn't pray about it. That, that came afterwards. But, but I asked my wife because, and incidentally, my wife has, I'm blessed because I'm able to do everything that I can do because she gives me my blessing. Um, you know, I always ask her and say, listen, this is what I want to do. And um, we speak about it. And she's never said no. She says it's important that you do God's work. I suppose, you know, she's always prayed that I'd come to the faith. So there's always a warning there, so be careful what you pray for, right? Um, so so we went off to Bathurst, and um, it was only a small weekend. Only 15 men attended, but the blessings there were, were, were unbelievable. And at the end of the weekend, I, I facilitated one of the small groups. There were three small groups there. And I was blown away how the men shared about their lives and their spiritual lives, which are interconnected, of course. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the weekend, I remember struggling with how to explain, because Robert asked me, he said, so what do you think? And I was struggling. I said, Robert, I can't think of the words that would do justice to the weekend. And he just said, privileged. And I said, yeah, I am privileged. I have been privileged. So needless to say, I said, yes. I said, I'm in. And... Um, so, you know, the, the journey continues, the adventure continued. Um, I, um, for the first couple of weekends, I, um, I just sat, listened and learned and helped uh, help facilitated the small groups. But I then got into um, presenting, which, was, was, which is a big step, which is a big step because we've, we have to be very vulnerable about our lives. And um, I remember one of the first talks I gave was about my relationship with my father who had passed away not too long ago. And I remember I struggled through it. I quite literally bawled my eyes out in front of 40 men for the first 10 minutes because, I, you know, how much I love my dad and um, our relationship, you know. So um, it was about six months after that that I got a, um, a, friend, a friend called me and said, how would you be interested in doing hospital ministry, pastoral work? And, um, again, I spoke to my wife about it. This time I prayed about it and um, it felt right. Um, I went and had an interview with Father Graham Malone, who is the, um, this is at Concord Hospital, who's the, uh, who's the hospital chaplain there, who incidentally does magnificent work, really, really does. And I had an interview with him and, um, you know, and uh, got involved in that. And, and the, the great thing is that I can 
use, you can use what you, I've learned at Men Alive in the hospital setting. So you may lead, uh, facilitate a small group and, and, and um, the, um, the prayers, you know, the blessings and the, the praying, the men praying over one another on a Saturday evening. You can then take that when you walk into a room where there might be 10 relatives who, have, um, who are there because their relative, their father, the mother, an uncle, an auntie is dying. And then you can encourage them to, to have, a, you know, a group prayer, you know, just spontaneous prayer. So you can take from one to the other and back again. And I mentioned a little, a few moments ago, I'm glad you mentioned the Holy Spirit. The most important thing is before any weekend and before I walk into the, um, the hospital is I get down on my knees and I pray for the Holy Spirit to give me the courage, you know, the wisdom and the endurance for what is, is about to happen because you can never, ever tell um, what you may encounter when you walk into a hospital room or when you have those men coming through the door for a parish-based weekend, or indeed any of the um, engagement, talking engagement, whether it's a, um, uh, you know, a, a breakfast or an evening presentation, so, you know, the conversations you may have. So can't do it without the Holy Spirit, that's for sure. Absolutely, and so important for us to be docile to, to the Holy Spirit. Steve, um, outside of your ministry, you're an active fisherman. You're not only a fisher of men, but, but a fisherman as well. Uh, how does your time of recreation assist you in becoming a man fully alive? That's another great question, Chris. Um, well, being a fisherman, it's given me patience. And with men's ministry, you need patience. Um, you know, one of the things I, I learned very quickly is God doesn't work in minutes, hours or days, you know. So... I myself have, you know, to where I am today, and I'm, you know, I'm still, still climbing that mountain. God takes time, real time for us to develop that relationship. You know, he's always drawing us deeper. And that goes for every other man that I've encountered. You know, we would all hope that we could get a man into discipleship over a couple of weeks, but we know that doesn't happen. It takes, it takes years because you've got to earn um, a man's trust. So, you know, the fact that I love my fishing men, so sometimes it can take hours to get a bite. Um, sometimes it can take months for a man to trust you to lead him to Jesus, you know. Uh, so that's that's one thing that I've learned that I've got to... And, and I, I am a very impatient man, you know, running my own business. I like things to happen sooner rather than later. You know, I am being a tradie, I, I am impatient. My wife would attest to that. But um, I've learned that, you know, I've got to trust the good Lord and... Um, let the doors open, you know, and, um, you know, let, open up a man's heart. So that's, those are important things. So patience is an important virtue. And that does lead into my next question too. And that is really dealing with the mass problem that we have in the church of, or I guess in a world with men of being passive. I think we've yeah. got to be patient with, with men who are passive because that's pretty much every man in some way or another. I'm, I've, you know, been trying to live actively in my faith for about 10 years and just over that now, but I still struggle with passivity in some way or another. Yeah. If I'm a passive man or a, or a lukewarm man and I see the value in changing, but I'm also full of excuses, how do I break through those bonds of passivity? Okay. Well, so two parts. We, we need to be intentional in everything we do. I think the, the biggest issue in the church today is mediocrity. 
So many of us accept mediocrity in every aspect of our lives. So, you know, and, and the world encourages us to accept mediocrity. You know, we only have to put the television on and, um, and we, see, we see it everywhere. It's thrown in our face. So that's a big issue. Um, passivity is a real big issue. You know, we have a mantra at Men Alive where we talk about what an authentic man is. And one of the first things is passivity. And the other one is, you know, taking responsibility, living courageously and loving God with all his being. Um, I like to flip that on its head. I think if we love God with all our being, as Jesus commanded us to do, one of the, you know, the, the, when he was asked which of the commandments are the greatest, he rolls up the whole Ten Commandments into two, love God with all your heart, soul, mind and might, your neighbour as yourself. I believe that if we love God with all our being, that the other three are the fruits of it. So I think a prayer life, and I can really only speak about myself and those men that I encounter, mm -hmm. and I find that a man who is praying regularly for extended periods loses a lot of that passivity. Um, the, if you're not praying, well, that's just part of your passivity, you know. Um, it, it is, and, you know, and it's about that mediocrity, you know. We forget, how, you know, there is really nothing mediocre about our Catholic faith, you know. Nothing mediocre about our Catholic faith. It was founded by Christ himself, you know. You know, there's nothing mediocre about a virgin giving birth to the Son of God, Chris. So, you know, so we have, um, you know, we've got the great saints, you know, from ancient times to modern times. So, you know, we just have to look at um, Saint to Mother Teresa of Calcutta, you know. Um, you know, Max, Saint Maximilian Colby, Padre Pio, you know, I can just, you know, all modern-day saints, Saint John Paul, the second, you know. So I think, you know, also reading about some of the great saints and what they yeah. did in their lives, you know. So I'm a bit of a, um, a, bit of a mil uh, military history buff. And, you know, you, you read about, you know, some of the great generals, you know, and they were, you know, they were anything but passive, you know. So all of those things, you know, about rejecting response, you know, passivity and accepting responsibility and living courageously. And if I could, I'll just go through some of those things. If, if we, we have the time, you know. Yes, no, that sounds very interesting and I'm sure. Okay, we'll so that. again, there's four of them. So we don't call them the four non-negotiables, but there, there are four, you know. Um, if there are four things if indeed you want to live an authentic Catholic faith as a man. So rejecting passivity, you know, he rejects inactivity, um, indecision and laziness, you know, all of those things. The remote control life, you know, mm -hmm. that computer game existence. I still know men in their 30s who are married, who'll come down, come home, and plonk themselves in front of a TV screen and um, spent hours and hours, you know, with, you know, online gaming. So, yeah, so do that, I. That is, that is an issue, as big an issue as pornography, I believe. You know, so, um, so there, there's that. Um, I, remember, I remember watching a, um, a talk from uh, the US, and it was a parish in the United States, and had a layman come in and speak to the men. And I remember one thing he said. He said, you know, the devil doesn't have to kill the men in the Western world. In the, in the um, Middle East, it's different. We've got ISIS, you know, martyring men left, right and centre. He said, but in the United States, he said all he needs to do is hand the men a remote control and leave them to their own devices. Mm -hmm. He said, then you can move on to the next bloke. Um, yeah. And it, it is quite literally true. Um, but the other thing, too, is rejecting passivity is rejects the, you know, I deserve it mentality. That's, that's yeah. another issue with me. Entitlement. I deserve it. Well, you don't deserve it. 
Um, you know, more important than the man walking next to you, you know, so, so accepting responsibility. So, and that's the opposite to being passive. Um, this is a man who acts, but also he accepts that life is not going to be a bed of roses, you know, not always complaining, you know, our fathers and our grandfathers lived, uh, you know, had a, a heck of a lot harder than what we do today, you know. So um, he also is a man that knows that sin's inevitable. We're, we're human, so none of us are perfect. Well, I haven't come across a perfect man yet, that's for sure. Um, and, but what he does is he tries to minimise it with his relationship with God and the sacraments that the church offers us. So that's, that's a big, you know, and I really am... Um, always encouraging men to, you know, we, as Catholic men, even practising, we, we all remember, you know, we all partake of the sacrament of, you know, the Eucharist, Holy Communion. But um, the sacrament of reconciliation is one that we often forget. And I always encourage men, you, you know, at least once a month, you know. The more we use it, the more we want to use it. So it's a real blessing. Um, the third one is living courageously. He doesn't surrender to the temptations. We are going to be to tempt, temptation. Tempta um, tempted and we are going to fall to our weaknesses, but we just don't surrender it to it. Um, and the other biggie being men is we acknowledge when we're wrong and we ask for forgiveness, both from those that are around us and from God, you know, and I've just mentioned a few moments ago about, um, you know, the sacrament of reconciliation. And the last one is uh, loving God with all his being. Well, you know, we, we acknowledge God and we offer our life to it. You know, discipleship. So many men are scared of that word because they think of perfection, but we only have to, at the moment we're reading, you know, we've got the Acts of the Apostles, you know, um, there's a first reading, and um, we can see um, that none of the, uh, the men in the early church were perfect. So we only have right. to, you know, St Paul, and we look at Peter, you know, he was far from being, being perfect, that's for sure. Um, the other thing too is his spirituality and his everyday life aren't separate. There's no conflict there. We forget that our spiritual life is who we are. We are Catholic men first and foremost. Um, so, you know, and that's something that we should be doing 24-7. Our actions speak louder than words. A, a priest once said to me, you know, the Catholic, um, the average Catholic adult, and speaking more specifically about men, have the spiritual life of a six-year-old. And at the right. time I thought that was a bit harsh. But I soon realised that he was 100% correct. Um, we never move past that infancy, you know. So, um, and, and again, we are our biggest, we're our own worst enemy. So, um, and the last one I believe is that we are intentional about everything we do, but intentional about seeking other, with fellowship with other Catholic men. So that's, that's important. We have to be intentional about everything we do. So... I don't know if I answered your question. I probably digressed a bit, but I, I tend to do that. No, you, you did. And I want to go a little bit deeper into the whole passivity thing. You've given us a really powerful toolkit there. But bringing it into a family and a marriage context, like we've already said before, this is a society where men are constantly being tempted more and more to passivity. We've got that remote control lifestyle happening more and more all the time. Um, and so men are tempted to be that Homer Simpson type of man where it's yeah. like the man is almost like another one of the kids. Yeah, and absolutely. The, and the mum and the wife is sort of the only mature adult in the household. Steve, do you think men have, have lost the courage to lead their families as husbands and fathers, that the kind that God wants them to be? And how can they stand up to that situation? 
Okay. You know, I might be generalising, but, you know, before they stand up, they need to drop to their knees and pray. Mm. Um, uh, look, I can't stress that. Well, for me, you know, prayer life, how important that is. You know, spending quiet time, you know, before the Blessed Sacrament, before Jesus, and just, you know, first and foremost, pour out your heart and soul to him. Pray the rosary, all of those things. But then shut up and just listen. You know, um, I'm reminded by Psalm 46, you know, be still and know that I'm God. Um, I'm reminded by the story about the cure of Ars, St. Giovanni, who saw a peasant, French peasant, in one of the churches praying, and he asked him how he prayed, and he said, um, I look at him and he looks at me. You know, um, Elijah tried to find God in um, hurricane. Was it, he wasn't in the hurricane. He wasn't in the, um, I think it was the earthquake and then fire. But God was in the gentle breeze. We live in such noisy lives. Everywhere I go, I see people, I see guys with headphones in on, either yeah, everywhere. everywhere, you know. Um, go on a train, well, we're not, you know, to follow the, um, the restrictions, but, you know, if I was travelling, you know, on a train, everyone had headphones on, earphones on. We live such noise. Everywhere we go, we've got to have music or noise blaring in our ears. How can we hear God's voice if we're always surrounded by noise? So I would say seek him in the silence. Prayer, number one, um, you know, fellowship with other men. Um, but, you know, but, but you've got to get outside your comfort zone. That's right. You've got to get outside your comfort zone. So many men I talk to are worried about making a mistake or making a fool of themselves. Well, we live and we learn. If we make a mistake, we try not to make it this next time. You know, but prayer, um, before we stand up and do anything, we pray. With me and my family, I, every night m- there's prayers before meals. And I'm not just saying, thank you, Lord, for what we're about to receive, um, and that's it. I'm in real prayer. If you're out with your family at a restaurant, you pray. Who cares what other people may think? Um, if we have friends come over, we pray. Even my, my pagan friends, right, pray. Um, friends of my kids that come over, my adult children, they know that dad needs to pray before. Um, I think it's important. It may be the only time your children will pray during the day or be part of prayer. So it is up to you to be the spiritual head of the family. I know I might get myself into trouble, but as a, as a father, as, as the man of the house, we are supposed to be the spiritual head of the family, the priest of the family. So I know there's plenty of single mums who are doing magnificent jobs out there also. So. Yeah, those are, those are good, strong words, Steve. What about if, say, for example, to speak to a situation that a lot of men may have gone through recently with what's happened around COVID-19, men losing their jobs in, on, on yeah. a lot of occasions. And, and so in these situations, men might actually be quite afraid themselves um, and they might feel the weight of that a little bit more because they've got a family to provide for. It's not just them and now they don't have their jobs, yet they're called to lead their families with courage. I think about St. Joseph and I listened to an interview about St. Joseph a few weeks ago and they spoke quite deeply into his life and, and gave a lot of context that I hadn't really thought of before in terms of, you know, he would have been so good at his trade. He was basically a small business owner as well. Yeah, and yeah, and you know, it came to the point where when they had to flee into Egypt, he would have just had to drop the business. And so he's, he's like got to let go of all of that, lead his family into Egypt, doesn't know what's going to happen on the way, doesn't know how long they're going to be there for, doesn't know when they're going to come back, what it's going to be like when they come back. 
So how can we be like St. Joseph, basically, and, and lead our families with courage, even when we're scared and, and there's so much uncertainty? Okay. Um, well, it may be a little bit for me difficult for me to, to answer the, the losing the job part because obviously I'm, I'm still employed, being a self, mm-hmm. uh, you know, self-employed. Um, but I have spoken to a few men who have indeed lost their jobs and they have, you know, what they've said to me is, they've taken a lot for granted in the past, you know. That also goes for, for, for illness too, you know. Um, yeah. take, we, t- we take so much for granted. But if we're looking at St. Joseph, St. Joseph was an obedient Jew, right? So he was obedient to God and he did as he was told, you know, and, and fled to Egypt, you know, took, um, to, took Mary and Jesus, the infant Jesus. So, again, you know, I can't stress how important prayer is. You know, it's... It will help us. It'll enable us to get over those hurdles. Um, you know, I've, this, with the small groups that I'm involved in with that post men alive, been doing a lot of zooming with uh, a lot of the men, and the men, it's encouraged a lot of men to um, to jump on because they only have to walk from the kitchen to maybe their study or their office or their bedroom, and a lot of them have been sharing about anxieties, you know, mm-hmm. and worries. But they found that being able to jump on. And, and speak with men, other men, and the fact that they've been able to get onto the small group via, you know, a Zoom call has helped them immensely. They've also said their prayer life, they've found that their prayer life has increased. So um, I would say, again, you know, I know that I keep coming back to prayer, but prayer is... Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, we, absolutely. Prayer is the essence of who we are, you know. It gives us the foundation of, of, of you know, our relationship with God, so... Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. And Steve, you mentioned that you're a small business owner. How has, or has being a small business owner helped you to grow in virtue into a better man, a better husband, a better father? Okay. Um, well, being a tradie, being a self-employed tradie, um, uh, you know, I've had to do everything myself in regards to, um, you know, growing the business. You know, I've been, I've, I've been self-employed since I was, 20, 21, I'm 52 now. So, wow. so I was very young when I um, started my, and it was hard. It really, really hard. It was hard. And I got married at the age of 22. So providing for, um, you know, um, my, my wife, um, and we had children very early on. So we made the decision that, you know, she would stay home and, and help raise the children. So that put a lot of pressure on me to, to, to work hard and work often, um, sometimes long hours to, uh, to supply, provide for the family. But all of those things, when I, you know, realised that my life had to change and, you know, after having this encounter with the risen Christ, that like having to run my own business, I realised that I had to do these things, initiate those things. I had to be intentional just as I was, you know, with my business, my business dealings and dealing with everybody else or my clientele. Then my faith life had to be an intentional process my relationship with my wife had to be an intentional, you know, relationship. I had to love her. It wasn't going to happen accidentally. And, in fact, since over the last seven years, since, you know, my, um, as I said, my encounter with, with Jesus and um, the Men Like Weekend, I now acknowledge how much more of a blessing my wife and my children, in fact, are. So, you know, that, um, you know, those people that God has given us to love, we have to love them more intentionally. So um, I, think, I think it has helped me. It's also the drive, right? If I didn't go to work and, um, and uh, you know, 
quote jobs and, and go after work that any, any work initially, well, we wouldn't have you know, been able to pay the mortgage, pay the bills they need. So I also realise now in the ministry too, sometimes you've got to be, um, you've got to go after things. You've got to be ringing men. Um, you've got to be um, persistently annoying, I like to say. Okay. So just ring the guys, say, how are you going? Um, but you've got to earn a men's trust also. So, so that, that's how it's helped to me. So. Yeah, you can see a lot of the, the tools of being a small business owner really transferable into, into ministry and also into I, I think so. I taking think, initiative, really, isn't it? It's life skills. Life skills that you know, um, being a trading, you know, having, you know, it's helped me in the ministry. It's helped me in the hospital ministry too. Being able to converse with someone that I've never met before, you know, when you're, um, when you're, you, 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 someone rings you for, uh, to come out and give them a quote on um, painting or on maybe a large job, you've got to essentially sell yourself also. You've got to tell them why they should be hiring you and not the guy down the road. So um, it, it's, it, it helps. It helps to, um, in that regard, most definitely. We all have a talent, so. Yeah. I'd like to change direction a little bit more and talk, talk a bit more about your experience with Men Alive. Mm-hmm. So, Steve, can you go into a bit more detail on what Men Alive actually does to reach men and change their lives? And perhaps you might share a story or two about how families have maybe changed their entire trajectories after the, the husband, the father in the family has been on a Men Alive, sure. Men Alive event. Okay, I won't. I won't be too specific about. But um, I, yeah, I, don't don't need to name no, any no. names or anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, okay, so with Men Alive, what we do is um, we um, so there, there's there's a host of um, of um, you know men's uh, initiatives that we do weekends, conferences, uh, talking engagements that we have. We have parish based weekends. We have um, the annual men's conference. We have um, Growing Good Men, which is a father-son encounter. We also have the Authentic Man Talk, which I touched on really, really briefly when we're talking about passivity in men. But um, we realise that men, you know, are struggling big time with all facets of their life. You know, often men are putting on a facade, you know, no, I've got no issues, but when we just scratch, we find that most men are struggling to some degree. Um, so what we do is we we um, we enable them to be vulnerable. <clears throat> so we put them in an environment where men can be vulnerable. They're comfortable to be vulnerable. So so that's a, that's an important thing. And we take them on the weekend on on a journey where they um, where they have that opportunity where they listen to men speak. So some of the presenters like myself who get up and speak. We then break them up into small groups where they can speak about the issues that they may be dealing with. So we find that by on the Saturday morning at 8.30, so by the time that they're leaving, you know, early afternoon on a Sunday, they are completely changed men. We give them the tools, those four non-negotiables, but we also give them the tools in dealing with their families. Tell your sons that you love them. So many men have never told their adult sons that they love them. My father and I, we loved each other but we never told each other that we loved one another up until the last six months of his life when he was, um, when he was dying with cancer. And, you know, I made myself a promise that I'd never do that with my own sons. Tell, you know, fathers, tell your daughters that you love them. Tell your wife that you love them. And I've had guys say, yeah, but they know. They may know, but verbalise it. Tell them. 
It's so important. We struggle with I love you. Well, you know, it's 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 it comes out so easily, but men have so many so much trouble, you know, saying verbalizing it, saying it. So important. So we, we deal with the spiritual side and we deal with the family life. Because we believe if we can change a man's heart, we change his family, we change his parish, and we change his workplace, and we can change we can change his, you know, the country, even if it is one man at a time. So that is what we, we do. And um, as I said, we've, we've had, I think, some 24, 25,000 men who have gone through the Men Alive, you know, parish based weekends, um, breakfast, you know, the, an encounter at Men Alive. It's about introducing Jesus Christ. It's about that encounter that men have. You know, I've had men say, you know, they've been lifelong Catholics and, you know, encouraging them to, to visit the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Men in there who haven't been to reconciliation for 10, 20, 30, 40, and I think the record is 50 years. It's amazing. You know, had men who, who acknowledge that they are loved by the Father. They've never actually known that God loves them, that they are beloved son yeah. of God. Yeah. You know, they've um, gone to church for 40 years, but they've never, ever thought that God loves them. You know, that God so loved the world, right? He sent his only son. So that all who believe in him may not perish but have eternal life. So and we all have a price tag, and that price tag says a beloved son of God. So Yeah, can you imagine the celebrations happening in heaven when a man after fifty years comes back to reconciliation? Absolutely. It's incredible. It, it, it is incredible. Um and the thing is, men will have hang ups, you know, maybe from when they were going to school, and I'm talking about men in their fifties and sixties even. You know, they might have had a bad experience going to, to you know, to confession, as we used to call it, right, Sacrament yeah. of Reconciliation. Um, and, um, and now they've said, you know, I, was, I went to confession because I was told to. I now go because I want to. Mm-hmm. And I remember what a powerful thing that was for me when I went for the first time because I wanted to go, not because Brother Philip told me I had to go or, you know, or... or, or Father Chris or what have you. So, you know, it was um, it, it is quite powerful. So we lead them on that journey. Then it's about staying in a small group because we, we warn the men that if indeed they do not make those changes after within the first few days, they leave it a week, the odds are they will change nothing. The whole weekend will be a waste. Yeah. So, so and in regards to, um, you know, some of the stories, well, the important thing is one of the reasons why the wives or women in general are so such big fans of Men Alive is because they've heard the stories about how husbands have come back changed men. And I often get when I speak at a parish the women saying, I wish my husband would go, or do you think you could coerce my husband to go? Well, we all have free will, right, so we can't do that. But And the amount of women that I've had conversations with who have been so thankful that the weekend has set their husband on the journey with Jesus, right? He's had that encounter and they change men. Let me say this, you know, I've never asked too many specifics about how the, um, you know, the uh, dynamics between a husband and wife afterwards, but, um, but some of the wives have said, you know, my husband is a changed man, the way he deals with me, the way he deals with the children. And he's now a prayerful man. I've got men on my, you know, WhatsApp chat group, uh, chat groups, you know, that um, from the different small groups. 
men who have, um, would not have even been able to recite one of the verses out of Scripture who now write beautifully. And I often call them St. Paul because, you know, some of the epistles, you know, um, that uh, St. Paul wrote, you know, are just absolutely beautiful. And so we've got a man after several years, again, God doesn't work in minutes, hours, or days, but from over a couple of years have gone from not being able to quote one bit of scripture who can now quote and, and reflect beautifully on the scripture of the day. So, again, you know, being around other Catholic men, it builds us up. You know, I believe that when we evangelise, ourselves become evangelised. When we minister... Yeah. We ourselves are ministered to, you know, they, they, it is better to give than receive. We know that when we give, we receive tenfold. So I also find that the men who then moving on, who become mentors, mentoring in their own mentors, mentors in their own group have, have grown unbelievably. So, so, you know, it is one of the reasons why I do what I do. I suppose I'm a little bit selfish in that regard because I, I you know, I, I'm just, Constantly thanking the good Lord for um, for being so patient with me. It took him forty five took me forty five years to finally acknowledge him. It took a good whack on the back of the head, I must admit. But um, you know, uh, but I'm now part of this great ministry, and um, and I also see that in the hospital work too. You know, um, so sometimes so I, I I stay connected with some of the men outside of hospital and catch up with them too, um, and that's interesting also. So. That's very interesting too. Uh, yeah, Steve, could you go a little bit more into your experience in hospital ministry? What's that, what's that been like and how have you journeyed with, with people in the hospital? Well, it's a little bit different because obviously you deal with both sexes, right? So, yeah. um, but um, it, it has been, it is interesting. Um, you've got to have a thick skin too because not everybody wants anything to do with the Catholic faith, That's even right. though they may tick a box when, they're, uh, when they go into hospital. That doesn't necessarily mean they want anything to do. So you have to have a bit of a thick skin. Um, I've been called all sorts of things. But that's the other thing about being a trader. Sometimes, you know, being on a job site, it, um, it gives you a, a very thick skin. You know, you, you get told, you know, off a few times. So that's probably helped me in a hospital yeah. setting. That's okay. That's, it. that's okay. Um, look, um, it, it's a blessing to be part of it also. The thing is, Primarily role is taking Holy Communion, but to the patients, but, and I say the big but is if you have 30 patients to see, the odds are there's only probably two or three out of those 30 who acknowledge that you're bringing Jesus. Mm -hmm. It then goes on to, you know, speaking to them, just just meeting them where they are. Often many of them will, will just want to talk um, and just speaking about maybe their lapsed Catholic faith um, and... Um, you know, it gives you an opportunity. It's amazing when someone is lying in a hospital bed, how open they are and how vulnerable they can be about talking about, you know, all those things that they may have done in the past. Speaking to them about the merciful God that God is. Breaking open the parable of the prodigal son. We are all prodigal sons. Yes. Um, and um, many of them are amazed that they've never really... Um, thought of that that parable that way you know and it is probably one of the most you know most you know if you ask a person tell me a parable that jesus gave you it'll be either prodigal son or the good samaritan the most right. well known you know and um, but when you break it open to them they're, they're, they 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 get an understanding um you know there are some patients who will let you come back and you can speak more deeply and more deeply and more deeply about the faith if they're in their long term 
if I could just tell you about one patient that sticks to mind. Please do. Um, a, a fella, um, and I'll, his name was Rex, and I'll just say that. His name is Rex. And um, he, um, he didn't want a bar of me, but, um, and, um, but before I left, he was writing on a piece of paper, and I said, oh, no problems. I get the hint. I said, but what are you doing? And he said, um, oh, I'm writing jokes. Do you want to listen to some of them? I said, sure. Do you mind if I sit down? So I did. So his, his jokes were average at best, but I told him they were pretty good. That was a bit of a white lie, I suppose. So the next weekend, I came and saw him again, and I said, look, Rex, I'm just here to listen to your jokes. And I did that over a process of quite a few weeks and built some trust between him and I. Um, we then spoke about his elapsed Catholic faith and uh, he didn't want anything to do with God, nothing to do with God. He's had a pretty, he had a pretty rough life. Um, but I was um, persistent. And if nothing else, I am a persistent uh, person. So, and, um, but in the, um, well, the December of that year, they took his first leg. Um, they amputated his first leg. And Rex would let me pray with him. And we were right. praying quite regularly. In the January, Rex was praying for both of us. And um, they fitted him with prosthetic limbs. And, you know, he was so thankful that we had the encounter. And a man once much wiser than me said this. He said, you know, God puts men in your path. Sometimes it's for an hour, a day, a month or a lifetime. And you've got to take that opportunity. You know, take that opportunity because we can never, ever tell what's going on inside here. Yeah. A man is struggling with, and it is so true. Sometimes, if we let the Holy Spirit prompt us, you know, it's amazing the conversations we can have with the man next to us, waiting for a coffee. So, um, so I've had encounters like Rex. So, they're, they're, again, I'm, I'm blessed. What can I say? I'm blessed. So, but again, as I said at the beginning of this interview, um, Chris, that um, that you need to drop to your knees and pray to the Holy Spirit for all of those things because. Whatever I, I have doesn't come from me. And sometimes you're asked some, some real questions that you need to, they want answers, people want answers for, like why the suffering? Yeah. Uh, if there is a God, why the suffering? Why is my husband here dying of cancer and things like that? So. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for sharing that story as well, Steve. So powerful. We are actually coming towards the end of the time. It's absolutely just sped by. So before we finish, though, I did mention at the beginning that we were going to talk about a challenge for sure. all men who are in our Facebook group, but anybody who really watches or listens to this interview. Steve, what would you like to challenge Maximus men out there to do? I'm glad you asked. So my challenge for the Maximus men this way, Chris, is silence. As I mentioned, the prayer, praying, find, find a, a church that has a blessed sacrament, that has Eucharistic adoration, and spend an hour with our Lord. Sure, you know, speak to him, pray the rosary, but at least half an hour during the week where there is silence. Just listen. Um, and I dare say if you do it long enough, God will start talking to you. Um, so just just find the silence. Just find the silence. Just you and God, this week, um, at least half an hour. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. I can really vouch for that, Steve. I think one of the most powerful practices that I've ever introduced into my life is having that half an hour or an hour of 
of silent prayer, mental prayer with God, just me and him, you know, open your heart, let it all pour out, let him pour in. It's yeah, it's life changing, absolutely life changing. Let him let him fill you up. Yeah, absolutely. If, if I, I could just say this that yeah. those those men who those men who go to church, that's great, you know, on a regular but if that's all you do, you're gonna struggle throughout the week. So important to top mm-hmm. yourself up throughout the work, work you know, throughout the week with prayer, with scripture, with fellowship with other men. You know, it is so important. I, I can't stress that. Yeah, I think an important thing that, that you know, God wants us to know, not as men, but any, anybody who's Christian, is that he's absolutely there pouring grace onto us at every moment of the day. And we just need to take those opportunities to open up to it um, and we'll find our lives transformed. Absolutely, most definitely. Mm. You know, um, God is uh, a merciful God. We just need to ask for the graces, right? Amen. Amen. Are there any other resources, Steve, that you'd like to point to sure. for, for men before we finish? Look, um, I always think it's, it's great if, you know, men can, you know, if, you, if you're going to read, you know, read something that's going to lift you up spiritually, that enable you to grow spiritually. Um, you know, as I said, so many men waste, and I do mean waste their time in front of, they, they didn't used to call it the idiot box for nothing, the TV screen, <laughs> right, for hours. Grab yourself some good reading. Um, I've recently been reading two books, Father Larry Richards, Be a Man. Uh, actually, I've got them here, so Be a Man. Yeah. And um, I was uh, blessed to be able to go and see Father Larry and meet him in 2018. And yeah. he's got a great quote, and it's, it's, it's this, you know, let the Holy Spirit ignite the fire in you and men will come and watch you burn. And that is so true. So, and the other one is... Um, is Deacon Harold Sivers, Behold the Man. Um, so oh, yes. uh, that is a great read too. And I saw him, I saw him last year and he gave a great talk. And talk about challenging, he doesn't mince mm. his words, right? He doesn't, yeah. He, he gets you right between the eyes. <laughs> That's right. So, That's you know, read, you know, yeah. um, we've, got, we've all got a bit of spare time. I know young fathers might find it difficult, but even if it's for 10 minutes a day. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's what I'm finding I have to do at the moment because I've got babies that won't sleep and things like that. But like, can I steal some 10 minutes at the end of the day? Even if I fall asleep doing it, at least I've got something. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. That's right. All right, Steve, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a really fruitful Pleasure. conversation and I'm sure many men will get a lot out of it. Would you like to lead us in prayer just to finish us up this afternoon? Sure. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. Heavenly Father, we just come to you this evening to give thanks for the blessings that you've given us. This day, Lord, each day indeed is a blessing for us, for us to make amends, for us to encounter you more deeply. And for this, we give thanks. We give thanks for the opportunity, Lord, to speak to those men this afternoon, to, to, to tell my story, Lord. Lord, I ask a blessing for all those men, all those men who, um, who are being intentional in their relationship with you, all those men who are on their journey with you, Lord, all those men who are trying their best, their best, to be their beloved son, and to live out that dream that you have for them. And we come to you as we always do through your most beloved son, Christ Jesus, amen. Steve, Leo, thank you so much for joining us. You've been a gift and a blessing. And if any men who have watched or listened to this feel compelled in their hearts to start a small group to get some fellowship going, some accountability going, 
please contact our page at Maximus Men's Driving for Greatness and we can help you or we can put you in contact with somebody. Absolutely. Um, I'll be more than happy to help. Absolutely. So we're, we're on your side and we're, we're willing to help you get going. Thanks, Chris. So, thanks again, Steve. Thanks, everybody, for watching and listening. God bless you all. Thank you. See you later. Bye-bye.